What is up? And welcome back to another episode of the Wizards podcast. I'm Greg Finberg, and we're going to be recapping a 0-2 week for the Washington Wizards. I think I've done four or five of these throughout the season, just breaking down a three to four game stretch. And I think we have won one game since I've done this. That's Detroit because I didn't do it for the first couple games, uh, which is pretty bad. I basically just come on here and talk about how my team was able to lose the next game. But I'm pretty used to it at this point, so it doesn't phase me in the slightest. Uh, the Wizards started the week, uh, I think, at three and what three and sixteen, and now they are three and fifteen. And now they're three and seventeen. So obviously, pretty expected. You didn't expect to beat the Magic. You didn't expect to beat the Sixers. You wanted to be competitive, and and that's what they were in these games. So you can't really be too upset with the effort that you saw. Um, and that's just kind of what I'm going to get to as I talk about these next couple games or these past two games for the Wizards. Getting right into it, you played in Orlando on the 5th and you lost in a pretty, pretty big blowout. You were competitive for about two and a half quarters and then, you know, everything, you know, the wheels fell off and you ended up losing by double digits like usual. Uh, the bench was terrible in that game. Just Cole Anthony dominating, Jalen Suggs dominating. Everyone from the Magic dominating. Our bench got outplayed, and we ended up getting killed. You wanted to see a better effort uh, on Friday when we played Orlando in Game 2. You Just because you can kind of figure out what they're going to do in the first game. You want to come back if you lose with some adjustments. You want to be more competitive because if not, and it's the same result, you clearly didn't learn from your past mistakes in that game. You didn't adjust at all. And for a team that is notorious for not adjusting under Wes Unsell Jr., you wanted to at least see them try something new. And we did see that. You got out to another good start. 22 to 17 early on. Who's with 12 points, I think, in the first quarter? He was playing very well. Uh, you know, guys that were coming off the bench like Shaman and Kispert, I'll touch on them later. They were phenomenal uh, on Friday. And you you were just kind of taking it to them on offense, playing really solid defense. I thought Gav held it down in the paint. Look, Goga Bataze sucks. I don't think he's good at all. Gaff played well against him. That's all you can ask. He he rebounded the ball well. He was good in the in the paint, protecting the rim as, as best he can. When when they put him in these two on one pick and rolls, and he's got to choose between the roller and, and the guy with the ball, what do you want him to do? It's pretty tough. But I thought he did a pretty good job. So the Wizards are up twenty two to seventeen. You're thinking, okay, maybe maybe they can take one in Orlando. Uh, fuck no, because Danilo Gallinari is still in the rotation for some reason. I don't, I don't get it at this point, man. He, Brad, Brad is notorious for saying we can't guard a parked car. Kuz just said we can't guard a parked car. Danilo Gallinari can't guard anything. The car doesn't have to be parked. It doesn't have to be a car. It can be, it can be a fucking anchor that doesn't move. Who cares? He can't guard. And when he's in the game, he's a straight up liability. Nobody respects him on defense whatsoever. When people go at him, he, he's like he's like the guy with the little rope uh, or the little like cape for the bulls. Like he puts it out in front, like oh I'm gonna defend you, and then right when you go at him, he pulls it away and just gives you the layup. It makes zero sense that he's still in this rotation. And I understand there's a report that we might be able to get a, a first round pick or a second round pick. Teams want Daniela Gallinari. Who the fuck would want this? If Are they watching the same thing that I'm watching? Because I'm watching a, a team that's not that bad at defense play very bad at defense. B, 
because there's a liability on the court at all times. And he's one of those liabilities. He can't guard. He just he fucks everything up with rotations, with matchups, with assignments. And and the result is that you're the worst defense in the league. Your bench consistently isn't going out and expanding leads. You know, they're just kind of keeping it even. They can score. He Gallo can score. But he's a net negative. He gives up more than he actually scores. When you don't play any defense, this is the result. And what happens when he comes in the game? An immediate 8 nothing magic run. 25-22 to now Orlando after the Wizards played a really solid quarter. And now they're going to enter the second down instead of what? And it's because we have defensive liabilities like Alinari on the court at all times. He couldn't hang with Wagner the entire series, game one and two. And we decided... You know what, Muscala, just sit your ass on the bench. We don't even need you. We're just going to keep going with Danilo and hope that he can score 25 to combat the 25 to 30 he gives up every night on defense. That shit's not going to happen. Uh, an interesting stat I looked at, um, when Danilo Gallinari entered the game for his first, for his first stint, it was probably like six to seven minutes, the Magic scored on eight of their 11 offensive possessions to close that quarter, I think. There's zero resistance. If he was playing power forward next to a center, that's fine. He's your center. He's your quote-unquote rim protector. That means you don't have a rim protector. So that means everyone's just going to put their head down and drive. They're going to put him in pick and roll, and they're going to attack him on defense. And they did just that, and that's why they blew their lead. They grew, they grew it, and they grew it, and they grew it. And the Wizards stuck around the entire game. They were playing really good offensive basketball. And in terms of everyone else, the defense wasn't too bad. The fact of the matter is, this guy is a liability. I understand, don't get me wrong, you can play him all you want. Not only is he losing you games, um, not only is he building his trade value, but he's probably your best option right now because you don't have any front court options. Do I think Muscala would be a little bit better? Offensively, absolutely not. Defensively, yes. But at the same time, it doesn't matter. Muscala's not going to get anything. He's not going to get any picks, but Gallo might. So I, I fully understand playing him. As fans, you just got to endure these minutes until January or February when he's maybe sat because he's done enough to build a trade value. You don't want him to get injured before the deadline. And you feel like he's done enough to earn you like a second or maybe maybe a first. If we get a first-round pick for Daniel Gallinari, Mike, Michael Winger, Will Dawkins, that you have the crown, you have the city. There is absolutely no way. I don't even think I would give up the 60th pick in the draft. I don't I don't think I would. I don't think he can help me on a contender at all. Uh, but apparently teams want him. So if I can build a trade value up, and hopefully he starts to play a little bit better offensively, and I'll take a second-round pick for him. Um, at the half, despite all that, despite the liabilities on defense, the Wizards were up three. Uh, 61-58, the bench was playing much better. Um, there was actually a moment in the first half where Johnny Davis got face to face with Joe Ingles, uh, and Joe Ingles actually torched us. There was a, a like a minute stretch where he hit like three straight threes, absolutely cooked Kuzma off ball, just to create his open shot. He's annoying to play against. He's unconventional. He's slow, but he's good, and he he does what he he's supposed to do and he's paid to do, which is make threes and efficient clip. So, all credit to Joe Ingles for still sticking around the league at his age. Uh, but, yeah, he got into it with Johnny. I don't even know what happened, but they were face-to-face. They were drawn at it. And credit to Johnny. He wasn't backing down. He was talking his shit as well. 
But I tweeted out after that, like, oh, like watch out, face to face. Johnny Davis not taking that shit anymore. Career night coming. Um, no, no career night for Johnny Davis. He actually, matter of fact, did not re-enter the game after the second quarter. Played a six-minute stint from the end of the first to the middle of the second. Went 0 of 2, 0 points. There was a moment where he got swung the pass for a wide-open three in the corner. It didn't even look at the rim. Pump faked the air. Pump faked nobody because nobody's closing out to Johnny Davis. Joe Ingles was in the paint. Like, fucking shoot it. I dare you. He takes a dribble in and then takes a floater from probably like 20 feet, the mid-range spot. But it's not like a one-hand floater. It's a two-hand shot into a one-hand floater. It looked so unconventional, so janky, so bad. Just a terrible shot. And when you're that – that um, when you don't have that much confidence in your three-point shot to where nobody's even guarding you, you're a shooting guard per se, and you're not even looking at the rim, I can't play you. I can't have you on the court if you're not going to take that shot. If you're going to miss it, it's one thing. But you have to look at the rim. You have to take it. Because if not, I'm just going to sit in the paint and I'm going to I'm just going to play off ball and then everyone else has a tough time getting the shot that they want. So do I get the fact that West Onso Jr. is in a pickle where, yes, I'd love to play Johnny Davis because he's only going to get better with minutes, but he is the worst player on the court at all times. And he's hurting our team. At this point, I'm fine. I said at the beginning of the year I didn't want this. But at this point, I'm fine putting him in the G League. At least give him minutes to try to build up his confidence to hopefully work on improving his shot. Because getting these six-minute stints, albeit like understandable that he's not playing that much, it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help the Wizards. It doesn't help Johnny Davis. It doesn't help Wes Unsell Jr. It helps nobody. Put him in the G League. Give him 40 minutes a game and let him play. Let him develop, build his confidence. I don't I don't think the NBA is working right now for Johnny Davis. And that sucks because yes, a fan, as a fan base, we we thought that pick was bad and we thought we reached on him and we're right on that. We write that Tommy Shepard can't evaluate anything. But he's not it right now. And and we have to come to that realization as an organization, like just send him to the G League, let him develop. I'm not willing to say he's a bust yet. It's it's not even halfway through year two. But this this organization has tried its best to fuck this kid's game up. And he hasn't helped this cause either um, by, you know, not playing with that confidence, with that aggression to the, to the basket, that driving style of play, that slasher role that he's supposed to be. Defensively, he's been fine. But when you can't play offense and you're a shooting guard, that doesn't go in the NBA. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I just send him down. Hopefully he gets better. Uh, I want to shout out Kispert and Shamit. Combined 7 of 9 from 3. They kept the Wizards in this game towards the, the end of the third and, and the start of the fourth quarter. Knocking down huge 3 after huge 3. They, they've probably been the most consistent contributors off the bench all season. Uh, but more recently, especially Shamit has really come into his own. I've seen a lot of people saying that they they want to trade Kispert as well at the deadline because you could definitely get a first-round pick. Here's what I'll say about that. You don't draft a player three years ago at 15, finally hit on a first-round draft pick. You hit on Denny, but you know, you, you've had Rui. You've had other players that didn't work out, not necessarily in terms of skill, but in terms of you know the fit, the money in D.C. You have a guy that everyone in the NBA covets. He's he's not undersized as a shooter. He's, he's decent size. I think he's 6'4". Um, 
and he's a knockdown shooter. And defensively, he hasn't been that bad either. Teams want guys that can knock down that open three when they're asked to. So yeah, you can get that. But why are you why are you drafting someone at 15 and and then recycling that first round pick for probably a pick in the 20s from a contender that trades for him to hopefully try to hit on a guy again? I understand you would have about three to four years where you don't have to pay that guy big money and you're going to have to pay Corey eventually. But the guy's earned it. You you want to retain your picks. And Dawkins and Winger have shown that by giving Dandy a, a lucrative deal before they even saw him play a minute this season. I think that they'd be pretty keen to keep Corey, and I think we should. Uh, Shamit's probably gone at the deadline, which is fine. Send him off to a contender. He's played well enough. Hopefully recoup an asset or two, maybe a young player. Uh, definitely a second-round pick for Shamit. And let him go try to win a ring somewhere because you know it, it ain't here. But you know, I can't say enough about how good they've been from the outside. Kuzma with 27 points. He just continues to ball out as the number one option. Um, I hope that he can show some of the stuff he's doing to pull his his um his friend in the I don't even know what I'm saying. I just botched that. The other star on the team, uh, who had 14 points on three of 12 from the field, 0 of five from three, including a technical foul. I don't like sitting here and just hating. I'm not hating, but I'm sure a lot of people are going to say that I'm hating by reading out the legitimate stats, the facts that happened in that game. And the fact of the matter is Jordan Poole has not been good. He's actually been terrible this season. He's in, I think, based on net rating, the three worst uh, two-man lineup combinations in the league. It's like him and Tyus, him and Kuz, and him and Denny or something. But he's been really bad, and it's... It's to the point where you start to question how bad that trade might be. Obviously, CP3 was just a depreciating asset, so anything you can get for him is a, is a plus. And we got an, a protected first-round pick, which people forget about. But we also got Poole, who's on a really big contract for the next four seasons and hasn't played like he's worth half that this year. Um, and he had a much better game in the second game versus Philly that I'll talk about. But look, I'm going to say the course... Uh, Obviously, we, time's on our side. We're not looking to win a ring anytime soon. Uh, but it is it is concerning how bad he's been this season, not only in terms of production and, and, and low amounts of points, but efficiency as well. He's 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 not the, the volume scorer you thought. He's not taking 20, 25 shots a game. He's taking around 14 to 15, and he's only making about five of them. So... Yeah, great night from Kuz, bad night from Poole. That's how it usually goes. Women's were competitive for most of the game. And then they fall apart late because the Magic makes some adjustments. They have guys that can close games, and we don't have those guys yet. But uh, you can't be mad at the the effort. Very competitive against the Magic team that had just won nine straight. Second in the East. I'll take it. I mean, no one two in Orlando is not ideal, but look, you were competitive in the second game. You made the necessary adjustments, so can't be too mad. That puts you at 3-16, and 16, entering, I think it was a four-game break. You didn't play Saturday and Sunday. You didn't play Monday. You didn't play Tuesday because of the in-season tournament. So back at it again on Wednesday at home against Philly. This was one of the games that was added in uh, like oh, last week because of the in-season tournament, rescheduling and everything. Um, but a couple of takeaways from this game. Obviously, the Wizards ended up losing 131-126. to 126. They had it at the end. They had a lot of a lot of chances to take the lead, to tie, to pull away at certain points. And Philly just kind of hung around, went on a 10-0 run to close the third, and, and they just maintained that lead. 
Embiid had 50. It's he he's inevitable. You're you're not going to stop him. You just got to co- hope to contain him. And I liked Wes Antonio Jr.'s overall game plan. It's like, all right, we're not going to send too many doubles. Like, go get yours. Go get your points. You can score 50, but you can't score everything. And I'm going to try to make everyone else beat me. And for the most part, that's what we did. Embiid got 50, obviously, but I honestly thought Gaff did a good job. Like, when when you have a guy like Embiid that just hunts fouls and seeks contact, and he just gets it every time he, he screams and, and flails his arms – that's tough to do, and that's why Gap fouled out with about two minutes left in the fourth. But it's just it's so frustrating when you play good defense and this guy lowers his his the ball is at his knees, and then he just swings upwards with like violent velocity and tries to get through your arms. That's not a, a regular shooting motion. Like I I've never been a fan of that foul where you literally Put put the ball in the guy's chest and and try to hit your arms to his arms to draw the contact. That's not a regular shooting motion. It's the same thing when you get a guy in the air with the pump fake, and then you jump into him, and now that's not a foul. I don't know why the MB thing is a foul. Nonetheless, that was a thing all night, and the, the free throw shooting disparity was crazy all night. I think it was like thirty four to eight, if I'm right, for in terms of the three free throw discrepancy. Uh, just, yeah, 34 to eight in favor of Philly. West Onzo Jr. even said it at the end of the game. He stood up for, for his guys like Kyle Kuzma, Jordan Poole, Danny Avdia drive a lot. There are three best drivers and they had no free throws the entire game. Joel Embiid had 13. Joel Embiid had almost, almost double the Wizards total free throw output. And it's not like the Sixers were just driving and driving and driving and driving. They were shooting a lot of threes. I'm not. I'm not one to to blame the refs, and we would have. We didn't. We didn't lose this game at all because of the refs. We we were the. We are obviously the worst team, and Philly's really good, but it makes a difference when the other team shoots twenty six more free throws than you do. It's just facts. Um, in terms of production, Bilal, not his. I would. I'm. Not, I'm not going to go out and say this was his best game. I think the Nets game is still his best game, scoring twenty points like that, hitting those threes that he did in that game. But this is a close second. Uh, 14 points on the night for Bilal. Shot it well, 6 of 10. Not great from 3, didn't make one. Or maybe went 1 of 5. But he was just, he was great all around. If you, if just from, not from a statistics perspective per se, but just watching the game. He had a couple steals and he had three steals. He picked Embiid's pocket that one time. His hands are always in the passing lanes. He had a steal where... Uh, Maxi threw it low on the pick and roll to Embiid. He just put his arm down because he's so long and was able to just deflect it and grab it, get out on the run, score on the fast break. And then that fucking dunk he had, the poster he had on Paul Reed, he grabs the rebound, dribbles up to half court, does a hezzy cross on Paul Reed, takes it to the right, and just puts it through on Paul Reed's head. I've I've never seen... I've never seen that from a Wizards rookie since John, I think. I don't think Brad ever did it. Um, probably since John, that burst from half court, just going in and dunking on somebody as a rookie, let alone in, in your, what, 20th game of your NBA career. I just I can't say enough about the development that he's made, averaging about like five points through his first 10, and now he's, averaging about 10 through his last couple of games. He's been 
he's been terrific. His final stat line, 14 points on 6 attempts from the field, 3 rebounds, 3 steals in 28 minutes. Great game, great game, great game from Bilal. Uh, I tweeted out like I think I think we did it. We we finally we we finally found the guy, uh, and I I firmly believe that. I think we finally hit on a draft pick. We finally found this dude that's going to be here for the long haul. It's going to be here for hopefully our title run in a couple of years. But very impressed and very pleased with what I've seen so far for Bilal, especially especially Wednesday against the Sixers. Danny was great all around. He had eight eight and eight. Uh, yeah, I heard that. I said that right. Eight points, eight rebounds, eight assists. He had eight assists in the first half. He didn't do much in the second, if I'm being honest. But his court vision was was on full display, just finding his teammates, getting out in transition, making the right play. Um, that's the the night you want from Danny. Obviously, scoring-wise, you'd like a little more production, but eight rebounds and eight assists is, is really good work from your, from your forward position, uh, especially for a guy like Danny that's not known as a scorer. Uh, he's known as a guy that's going to defend. It's going to rebound and hopefully make the right plays on offense. And he did that. Also, the only Wizard starter with a positive plus minus was Denny with plus six. Uh, just shows when he was on the court, good things were happening. We were defending. Um, we were making the right play on offense. So Denny, Bilal, awesome tonight. Or sorry, awesome Wednesday. And then Jordan Poole, I want to talk about this because we got bum-ass accounts like Legion Hoops on on Twitter that just like negativity. And obviously, they're a big fan of the Twitter Blue subscription because they like getting paid. They like farming for engagement. Um, they posted when the Wizards went like 3-15 and 15 on the season. Like, the Wizards are 3-15. and 15. Jordan pulled through those games. And obviously, his stats suck because he hasn't been good. But the, if, if you're really on Twitter to put another man down like that, you're just, you're just a low life. You're just a bomb, and and that's what that account is. And and you, I was I was surprised. I didn't I didn't happen. I don't know if any of you did. I didn't happen to see a Legion hoops post for Jordan Poole Wednesday night when he was very good, shot the ball very well, uh, played probably his second best game so far as a wizard. Uh, no post about that, which is you know I find that a little weird, but whatever. Poole final stat line: twenty three points on ten to fifteen from the floor, which is sixty six percent, and three of five from three, sixty percent. Overall, just such an efficient night. And you could tell, not even looking at the stats, but if you watch the game, all of the shots came in rhythm for the most part. Open threes, open mid-range pull-ups, open floaters, getting to the basket for, for uncontested layups. He wasn't forcing it. It wasn't like 15 dribble moves into a step back, 50-foot three. It was all in rhythm. It was all with the flow of the offense. And that's exactly what you want from Poole. You can see he's getting it. You know, he's getting better at finding shots that he that he wants that are good shots for the team, making the right play. And this is a step in the right direction. As much as I talk about the positives, you do have to talk about the turnovers. He had four turnovers, uh, especially down the stretch. He made a couple poor decisions. He had that one up and down with like a minute 20 left. That was that was pretty pretty brutal for the Wizards chances at the end of the game. But overall, you can't be mad at the effort. 23 points on 66% from the floor. I'll take that any day of the week from Poole, especially considering the performances he's had recently. Um, Corey Kispert, again, we talked about in Orlando, continued it over to this game, started 3-3 three of three from 3 in the first quarter into the second quarter, finished with 16 points on 5-7 of seven from the field, 4-5 from 3, good enough for 80%. Again, I, I will not stand for the trade rumors. This guy is a guy that I, I think can... Stay here for the long call. I'm 
completely comfortable giving 10 to $15 million per year to be that shooting role on our team. Even if he's coming off the bench, I think he's been one of our most consistent contributors, the most consistent contributor, definitely off the bench. Um, can't say enough good things about Corey. Uh, See so yeah, a great performance from him. And then a couple of things I want to talk about. Obviously I mentioned the free throw discrepancy 34 to eight. That was pretty frustrating all night, but when you need a stop late in the game, when Daniel Gafford is fouled out, you need length, you need size on defense. Why on earth is Bilal not in the game? Like, you go with the three-guard lineup of Jones, Poole, and Kispert. If you're going to play small and you're going to go three guards, put your one of your best defenders in the game, please. Put Bilal in. Who do you take out? Look, I don't. I understand Corey's in there for a shooting. He's been your, your hot hand all night. But Bilal is better defensively by a mile. And when you need stops and you can't afford to just trade back and forth and back and forth, I I think Bilal should close the game. And I tweeted about this, and I think a lot of people agreed with me that when you need a stop, I'd rather go with Bilal than Corey. I'd rather go with Bilal than Tyus Jones. I think we could have gotten good shots on offense without Tyus in the game holding us down on defense. So, yeah. I think you should always close with Bilal, but I'm not coaching. So who do I know? Uh, and beat again, just dominant. And like I said, I thought Gaff was great. He had 18 points on the night, six rebounds, four assists, 80% from the field. Not, not his fault at all. Nothing he can do. Embiid is, is a generational talent. He's going to drop points on points on points, leads the league in scoring, did so last year. I, I mean, if you look at the box score, you're like, that center on the other team, he got cooked. He was terrible. If you watch the game, you would know that wasn't the case. Gaff wasn't bad at all. Uh, just tough matchup for him, size-wise, skill-wise. Not much he could do. And then one of the final things I want to talk about, there was a stretch uh, with two minutes left where Philly was up by four. Tobias Harris misses a mid-range. Jordan Poole's about to get the rebound. Two hands shoved, pretty blatantly shoved out of the way by Tobias Harris for the rebound. No call on the floor for a foul on Tobias. He gets the ball back, shoots a floater. The shot clock went off about a second, a good second or two before he shot it. So the Wizards get the rebound, and they kind of stand there for a second, like, okay, we'll inbound it. But the refs don't blow a whistle. Usually, when the shot clock goes off and you haven't shot the ball, uh, the game's supposed to stop. And the refs just, I guess, all of them stopped, their brain stopped working for two seconds. But nobody blew a whistle, and Poole took it in 1v1 um, against Maxi. I think. Went for the foul. Did the exact same thing and beat a gun all night where he took it low, drove his arms through Maxi's arms, who put his arms down to contest. A lot of contact and, and no foul call. Look, I, like I said, I think that's a stupid call. I don't like that that gets rewarded. But when you're going to call it on one end for Embiid and one end for Maxi. Call it on the fucking other end. That's just me. Call it both ways. Uh, and, and we didn't get the call. And B comes down, hits an open mid-range. They're up six. The game's over from there. Uh, just a, a pretty brutal stretch for the Wiz, who who should have deserved a shot to at least tie this game at the end, but didn't. Again, a solid effort from the Wizards. Can't be mad at playing a, a really solid Philly team, as good and as competitive towards the end of the game as we did. For MB to be as good as he was, to drop 50 points, and the Wizards only lose by five, um, that's fine by me. 
Obviously, giving up 130 isn't great, but that's honestly good for the Wizards. You usually give up 140, so can't be mad. Altogether, that's an 0-2 stretch. Um, not many games this week, but competitive efforts against two of the top teams, two of the top four teams in the East right now. Um, so can't complain. And then through 20 games, the Wizards are 3-17. and The Pistons somehow suck even more. Um, they've lost like 15, probably more like 16 straight. The Spurs have lost 16 straight, I think. They're 3-17 and as well. So if the season ended now, the Wizards would be tied for second in the lottery odds. I think right now they actually somehow have a tiebreaker over the Spurs, but that doesn't matter. It's going to be a three-headed race for that first pick, I think. And that's why I don't sweat when the Wizards are closer or might win a game because the separation between the top three worst teams and the rest of the league is pretty pretty steep. So really can't be too mad. But, of course, 3-17 and 17 through 20 games is, is absolutely horrible. Uh, it, no matter if you're going to try to tank or not, it's still bad. So that does it for an 0-2 week. Just a couple housekeeping things about the Go-Go, which is, if you don't know, the Capital City Go-Go, the G League team, so essentially the minor league team for the Wizards. Um, John Butler Jr., who they signed right before the season for a two-way slot, and two-way slot meaning that you get games in the NBA as well as can be brought back down to the G League, kind of like a swing player if you're like JV slash varsity. Um, they waived him, and they're going to hopefully bring him back on the on the G League team for permanent um, for the for the time being, hopefully he doesn't get picked up by anyone. And then Jules Bernard, I think second or third year player from UCLA, sharpshooter, left-handed. Uh, he was on the go-go all of last season and was on that two-way spot. Didn't get it this year, but uh, has played well enough, I guess, with the go-go to earn that. So he's now the two-way spot to go along with Jared Butler and Eugene Omarui for the Wizards. Each team gets three, and those are the three that they have. Um, and then Patrick Baldwin Jr. on Thursday uh, had 22 points on 8 of 14 from the field, 12 rebounds, 6 assists on 6 of 8 from 3, and a plus 17 in Thursday's win with the go-go in the G League. That's exactly what you want from Patrick Baldwin Jr. Of course, the competition isn't as good as it would be in the NBA, where he has yet to really put together any solid efforts. But for a guy like that in his second year in the league, a former first-round pick who was supposed to you know, be a really good stretch for shoot the ball at an efficient clip from three. He's supposed to put up numbers like this in the G League, and he's doing that. And that's really exciting and um, great to see. So hopefully after people get traded to the deadline and the younger guys start to get more reps in the NBA, he can use a lot of those two-way games to move up to the NBA team and, and really contribute with the Wizards. So impressive performance from him. That's going to do it for this episode, uh, recapping an 0-2 week for the Wizards that puts them at three and 17 on the season. Um, again, appreciate if you stuck around with me for the, the duration of this episode, appreciate for all you guys listening uh, ever since I started this podcast, it's been a lot of fun. It's only getting better throughout the season. So again, appreciate you all for tuning in and that's going to do it for, for this one. I will see you next week to hopefully recap. I think it's three or four games that the wizards have this week. So I'll be back in a week from now, recapping uh, those those the, the stretch of games for the Wizards um, that that will follow. But that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, appreciate all you for tuning in and and go is.